The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or at lifehousechurch.org. Where are you stressed out financially? What's stressing you out about your money? I know it's there, right? Like regardless of how you're doing financially, money is weighing on you. It's weighting you down. It keeps you up at night. It wakes you up in the morning. It gets you to get out of bed and get to work. But you're, you're watching the markets. You're worried about inflation. You're stressed about your job or your business or how you're going to hire or how you're going to fire, how you're going to manage your books or make payroll. If your payroll is going to get met, meaning are you going to get a paycheck? And is your paycheck going to buy what it used to buy? I know it's on your mind because it's on ours. It's on mine. The church, we feel it. I even wondered whether I should share this, but you know, the reality is that if, if you're taking a 15 to 18% pay cut because of the cost of everything skyrocketing, which means whatever you had before, it now buys 15 to 18% less, which means you got a 15 to 18% pay cut. Well, then that affects how you give and in turn that affects the finances of the church, and so we have less, but we're trying to do more with less because there's greater need. There's, there's uh, you know, we got people and influence. We're trying to reach people in our community. We're launching a new campus, and so we're trying to do more with less, and I, I guess I could just say I'm like you. That stresses me out. That weighs heavy on me. I've said it privately in a couple of different meetings. I said probably the number one thing that is weighing on me right now, the thing that I pray about uh, probably a lot more than other things is the finances of the church, how we're just doing, how we're doing financially, trying to meet needs and have increased impact, but trying to do that on less. And, and I know that we're feeling it because you feel it. If it affects your giving, that's because it affects your income and your, your spending. And, and so what is the answer, right? Do we just walk around feeling weighted and heavy and burdened and stressed? And I know the answer, right? Like the answer is like, how do we work through this? Will we just work harder, put in longer hours? Uh, maybe some of you are picking up an extra job. You're, you're, you're trying to do more to make up for the less. You're, you're, maybe you're cutting your expenses like we are. You're, you're buying fewer things. You're buying less expensive things. You're, you're cutting things out of your budget, maybe out of your business's budget. And, and I, I know this, even if your business is doing well, it's stressing you out because you're wondering how long will this last? And your costs are going up. And so you're going, we're doing financially well, but what if we don't and our costs continue to go up, right? And so there's this weight and this burden. And so the answers feel very um, normal, very natural. I gotta, I gotta work harder. I gotta spend less. We gotta cut costs. We gotta maybe cut hours in order to make sure we can stay within budget. And uh, what do you do in a season where the economy's faltering, inflation is rising, and then there's, there, it feels like there's no end in sight of how we're gonna get out of this. And so I wanna talk about how we can experience financial breakthrough, not just as a church, but individually in our own personal lives. So I'm gonna bring you to a, a historical moment in the nation of Israel when they were experiencing economic and political upheaval. 
They were in trouble. They were led by a, a wicked and evil king named Ahab and his wife, Queen Jezebel, who were, they didn't just institutionalize pagan religions and evil, but they were taking advantage of and abusing people. They basically took what they wanted. And they didn't care what it cost, right? Because they just ripped people off. And so then what it is, is when somebody feels cheated and ripped off, they pass it on to the next person, right? Like, and so they're being abused by the bully, and so they bully others. And so there was this kind of systemic cheating, this systemic abuse of the weaker. And God speaks to and through the prophet of that time named Elijah, who prophesies or foretells this. It's found in, it opens up the story that we're going to look at in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1, where it simply says this, that uh, God speaks to um, Elijah and Elijah says, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years. You're going to experience an incredible drought and with the drought comes famine, right? No water and then no food. And so uh, you have a, a season, years, of economic devastation, hunger, desperation. In order to get food right, it's gonna cost significantly more. And, and what happens in Israel kind of resembles what we're going through, which is you begin to, it begins to kick into like a survival of the fittest mentality. And even Elijah is gonna suffer or experience the effects of this poverty and this economic upheaval. And, and so, you know, here's a guy who loves God, is doing what's right, and he could easily say, well, God, why am I suffering for their wrongdoing? Why am I experiencing pain because of someone else's poor decisions? And so he could get angry and maybe get mad at God or maybe pull back from God maybe get frustrated and start to hurt those around him because he's being abused, you pass on the abuse. But I wanna show you what happens in his life and what God does in a season like this. And it reads this way, we're starting verse two. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. You will drink from the brook and I have directed, uh, you will drink from the brook and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. And so he did what the word of the Lord had told him, and then it continues. Um, sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. And then the word of the Lord came to him, go at once to Zarephath in the region of uh, the side, Sidon. And he says this, and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. And, you know, it's kind of this bizarre story where God says, do what I say. I'm going to meet your needs. And then when you listen to how God meets his needs, he goes, during a drought, you will drink from a brook. You need food? I'm going to send scavenger birds to deliver you meals. And then when that's not working out anymore, you're going to go to a home of a poor, destitute widow, and she will meet your every need. She'll provide every meal for you. Huh? There's a point that God wanted to make it clear to Elijah that he is the provider. And in a season like this, and our, our economy falters, when your finances create more stress and weight than you feel like you can bear, 
Financial breakthrough comes by trusting God as your provider. You and I, the key in this season, the, the lesson is not learning how to provide better for ourselves, but experiencing financial breakthrough that comes by trusting God as our provider. And we've learned to, de to depend on ourselves because we, have to we feel like we have to look out for ourselves, frankly, because no one else is looking out for us, right? Like, I don't know if you're like me and maybe I'm a little bit of a conspiracy theorist. I don't know. I don't want to like announce that, but you know, I, I don't always feel like big businesses and, and the, the government is looking out for me. I feel like they're trying to cheat me. I feel like everyone is trying to set me up to rip me off. Every, you know, you get these telemarketing calls and these e phishing emails and there's scams around every turn and the government's trying to pass another piece of legislation to take another piece of the pie of the limited amount of money I earned, right? Like, how can they get more from my less? And I feel like every business is just trying to figure out a way to, to get from me. Not give, get. And so you, I, like you, you start to become cynical and skeptical. You feel like you're on your own. You, you gotta get smart and quick to avoid getting cheated and ripped off and taken advantage of. And you, you can not only feel like you're, you're on your own, but you, you have to start to be um, shrewd because you are on your own. You gotta look out for yourself and meet your needs. But then you look around, you go, this isn't working. And in this in this story, you know, there's this devastation that comes as a result of disobedience. The reality is we feel like we're on our own and nobody's looking out for us because of our own spiritual uh, devastation. It's not just a poverty and financial stress around us. It's that there is a poverty and a bankruptcy in us separated from relationship with God. Sin disconnects us from a relationship with God and the riches of God's love, the grace of God's abundance from the wealth of heaven. And so we're not only on our own, separated from God, but we live our life in a state of poverty, in a state of scarcity. There's never enough. Nothing will meet my needs. I've got to get more. I've got to work harder to get ahead, right? And so I'm not just talking about this moment in history or just about a time of recession. I'm talking about a, uh, the posture, the position of my heart says it's never enough because I'm disconnected from relationship with God. And so I have a scarcity mindset, Sin that separates me from relationship with God that leaves me in a place of spiritual poverty is sending me to an eternity without God, an eternal judgment, but God. In, the, in this story, God sends scavenger birds, ravens, to, to deliver bread and meat to Elijah. Jesus is better than Elijah. So if we, you know, if you jump ahead almost a thousand years, you get to the life of Jesus who recognizes our spiritual hunger, our spiritual poverty. And, and when Jesus comes, he says, I am the bread of life. I am the living water. What you're most thirsty for is me. What you're most hungry for is me. 
the poverty in your life can only be satisfied by the riches of my love. And so what does Jesus do? He comes and gives his life in sacrifice because the story of God throughout the Bible, right? Like you read this account, it's, it's the written account of the story of God revealed throughout history. And what it tells is a story of a generous God, a God who doesn't come to take or to get something from you. God isn't trying to cheat you. He's not trying to rip you off. He's not scamming you. He's not trying to, uh, he's not trying to find an angle to get something he, he needs from you. God is not in need. God has more than enough. No, God came to give. And so Jesus comes to give and to give his life as the ransom or the payment for the sin debt and the sin poverty and the sin hunger that we're in. His body, the sacrifice, the bread of life to, to meet our deepest spiritual hunger. His, his death, the death payment to pay off our debt and our bankruptcy spiritually. So Jesus gives his life. He dies in our place. Um, his death, the payment for our eternal death sentence. But then Jesus victoriously and miraculously rises from the dead physically, and in his physical resurrection, he gives us victory over sin, over death, and over eternal judgment. So when you believe in Jesus by faith, you are both forgiven and given new and forever life. And so let me just pause. As you can tell for a moment, this isn't just about finances, is it? No, it's, it's about something much deeper. It's about a spiritual poverty, a spiritual stressing out over our deepest need and our deepest want. So wherever you're at right now, I can guarantee you that the beginning point is found in Jesus. Would you pause right now and would you just open your heart up to the abundance of God's love and the riches of heaven found through faith in Jesus Christ. And if you're ready to say yes to Jesus right now, would you make that commitment? Say, yes, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you died on a cross for me, that you rose again, and I believe in you, and I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins and give me new and forever life. And if you're making that commitment, would you let us know? You can scan the QR code that's on the screen. You're gonna let one of our pastors will follow up with you and uh, you're gonna fill out the, the, um, the uh, link that you get. And we wanna follow you and encourage you as you begin this new journey in relationship with God. Now, here's the thing. I don't want you to say yes to Jesus and believe in Jesus so that you can turn things around financially. But what I do know is that when you believe in Jesus by faith, Faith fills my heart and I begin to see the world around me differently. I begin to see finances differently. Let's jump back into the story and discover how we can see it differently. And I'm not saying this is gonna be perfect. What I'm saying is we're gonna struggle, but as we, as we grow in our relationship with God, the struggle uh, is transformed, meaning we begin to grow in our trust. Here, here's the story. Uh, Let's jump back in. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. What, it, what was the word of the Lord? I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. I, I've sent scavenger birds to bring you meals, right? Like scavenger birds don't do that. If you've ever watched vultures on roadkill, like they're, they're fighting and they're taking. They're not giving anything. He goes, he said, but here's the word of the Lord. I have directed ravens to supply you And then later, when the brook dried up, he sends 
uh, Elijah to a widow's home and he says, I have directed a widow to supply you with the food there. What's the key? I have directed, I have sent, I am providing. God will not be outgiven. There's nothing you can give to God that God can't, won't give more. God is a giver. He is generous. He is a God of abundance. There's nothing that you will ever give to God that he won't have already given you and given you more. If you give him your time, he will supply time to you. Every moment of our life is a gift from God. And... He'll give you eternity. He won't be outgiven. You give God your service. You're willing to serve God in and through the church or by serving others. He already served you. He won't be outgiven. He served you by giving you his life. And you get, you get the gift of eternity. Even financially, God will not be outgiven. You, no matter what you give, I promise you, God will supply your needs. And, and scripture says, according to your riches, according to his riches and glory. The key is this, financial breakthrough always points to God as provider. The, the lesson here is that it was God that directed, God that provided. It, it's not just that scavenger birds suddenly showed up with food to share. It's not just that he went to a widow's house and in her compassion or in her hospitality, she begins to meet Elijah's needs. It's clear from the story that God sent the birds to bring meat and bread and God provided through the widow the meals that Elijah needed. The key in your life is this. We begin to experience financial breakthrough when we discover and trust God as our provider. This message is not about getting rich. It's not about, you know, you can have what you want. If you, it's not about just like, I can declare that God's gonna give me this and God will just give it to me. This message applies uh, to the Christian suffering in a persecuted nation and in, in, in being in, in a place of destitute poverty. And it applies to the richest and wealthiest Christians in America, right? Because the truth is what every one of us need to truly experience financial breakthrough is a step away from trusting ourselves and a stepping into trusting God as our provider. Confident that he is looking out for me, that I'm not on my own. Think about it like the heart of a parent. A parent a loving parent wants to meet the needs of their children, stresses about meeting the needs of their children, goes to work to provide to meet the needs of their children, doesn't want to see their children do without. And if they have the means and their children are not getting what they want, it's because of the wisdom of a loving parent that doesn't always give them everything they want. That's God. God wants to meet your needs, but he wants you to trust him as your provider. He doesn't want you to trust yourself. He doesn't want you to trust your employer. He doesn't want you to trust the government. He doesn't want you to trust an entitlement. He doesn't want you to trust anybody else but him. That's where breakthrough begins. And so it could be that one of the most important lessons you'll ever experience is that in your want, in your lack, you begin to turn to God. And for the first time, because you needed God to come through, you got a breakthrough financially and you discovered God as your provider. If you never need God as provider, how will you ever know God as provider? And so could it be that God is, 
is gonna work through this season to deepen your faith and deepen your experience with him so you can encounter in God for the very first time, God who provides, God who is my provider, who is looking out for me, who knows my needs and loves me more than I could ever imagine. Let me jump back in his story and read a little bit more to you. So he did what the Lord directed him, right? So he did what the Lord told him. He went to the, he went to the Kareth Ravine, east of the Jordan, and stayed there. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. Like, this is amazing. Like, here he is getting all of his needs met. And then if you continue to read the story, it goes like this. So then, then the brook dries up. And, then, and, and so he, he moves on. And he, it says this. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? And so she, she's going to get it, and he called, bring me please, also in essence, a piece of bread. And this widow goes, I'm sorry. I have, the only thing I have at home is I have a little, you know, two little containers of a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. I was gonna go home, I was gonna make a meal. This was gonna be our last meal. I was gonna die. I got nothing else. And Elijah said to her, This is where the story picks up and you'll see it. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home, do as you've said, but first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. She says, I'm gonna make my last meal, my last supper, and then I'm gonna die. We're gonna starve to death. He goes, okay, do what you said, except bring me the bread first. Sounds like a crazy challenge. But here's what, I want to, here's what I want to capture your attention and your thinking. Notice how God asks Elijah and the widow to do normal, ordinary things. Here, here's what you're going to discover. Radical obedience invites. Radical obedience invites financial breakthrough in the mundane, in the ordinary in the normal, but it's not just mundane and normal when I am stepping out in radical obedience. God says, get up, go to the Kareth Ravine. There, you're gonna find a brook, drink from the brook. Well, drinking from the brook is a perfectly normal and ordinary and mundane thing to do. For the widow to go home and make a loaf of bread, that's a normal, ordinary thing to do. You notice God didn't just make, uh, He didn't just like open a spout in heaven and pour down water into Elijah's mouth. He had to go and drink. He didn't just make bread fall from the sky. He could have done that. He did it for the nation of Israel when they were wandering in the wilderness. But he said, no, you got to go and you got to bake it. Here's the key. God will most often provide for us in the mundane. Radical obedience in the ordinary things of life. That's right. God is asking us to do the right thing in the ordinary moments, which means we work hard. We're diligent. We show up early to work. We're not, we're not, we're not showing up intoxicated or, or um, unable to do our job. We're focused. We're hardworking. We're diligent. We live within our means. We spend less. We, you know, we live on less so that we can live within our means. And we live on less to give more. We're generous even in our lack. In our little, we give, right? We do the right things at work. We work ethically. We work biblically, meaning we follow the right 
the rules of doing what's right at work, and we follow the, God's principles of how to work, right? And when we do those things in the everyday, in our normal budgets, in our normal paycheck, at our normal job, our radical obedience brings financial breakthrough in the mundane. God most often provides and does, gives us financial breakthrough through the everyday mundane. We don't see it, we don't recognize it because we're just scooping water out of the brook. We're just eating the bread that seems to consistently be provided. And we don't notice until the brook dries up. And here, here's what God's doing. When you're doing what's right and you're working hard and you're being diligent and you're being faithful and you're being obedient to God, right? Obedience precedes provision. God is inviting us into obedience because it's our obedience that makes us different from everyone else. In fact, there's a, there's a, if you jump ahead in the Bible to the last book of the Bible, uh, the last book of the Old Testament of the Bible, it's called Malachi. And uh, in, the, in the prophet Malachi's writing, he's saying how, how the people who believe in God are like mad and they're like, God, what are you doing? It seems like people who do the wrong thing always are getting ahead and prospering and then nothing even goes wrong for them. God says, no, no, what I'm asking you to do is be radically obedient. And there's this verse, and it reads this way. And God's saying to them, and you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those that serve God and those that do not. You are not responsible for what is going on in the world around you. You are not responsible for what wicked people do in dark places. You're not responsible for God, God's justice against wickedness. You are responsible to be obedient to God in the mundane so that God can use your radical obedience to create a distinction between people who do what's right and those who do not. Will you be obedient, radically obedient to God in the ordinary, in the mundane? Here's what happens when we are radically obedient to God in the mundane. Let's jump back in, verse, uh, in verse six. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening and, they, and he drank from a brook during a drought. God showed up and did what only God can do when Elijah was willing to be obedient. When you go to the story of uh, Elijah going to the home of the widow, she only has this tiny little bit, but here's what it says in verse 16. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Meaning for an extended period of time, they, she just kept pouring and pouring and it just kept flowing. Why? Because in the mundane, God was doing the miraculous. Financial breakthrough comes through the miraculous. God will bring, if you will do the mundane, God will do the miraculous. God wants to show up and give you financial breakthrough, but he might do it by delivering food through scavenger birds. He might do it through a brook in the middle of a drought. He might provide abundance through a poor widow when her flour and oil never run dry. See, God will give you financial breakthrough most often in unlikely places so that it becomes obvious to you that it wasn't, that the jar of oil wasn't the source, the brook wasn't the source, the scavengers weren't the source. He was the source and he's doing the miraculous. If you will do the mundane, God will do the miraculous. In fact, that's what I, I wanna invite you to do right now. First is taking on a, a, a heart place 
of saying, God, I'm gonna trust you as my provider. Second, God, I'm gonna commit to radically, to being radically obedient to you and your word with my finances. And God, I'm gonna invite your miraculous for you to do the unlikely, for you to do the miraculous in unlikely ways. And I'm trusting you. So now I'm gonna ask you to take a step of faith with me. This weekend is our miracle offering weekend. Now I didn't preach this whole sermon just to get to this point, but it is, it is a really clear um, action step that we can take. So we, we, we set this up, we've encouraged you for weeks to be praying about this. You have a miracle offering envelope and I want every one of you to participate with me on this, all right? Which means every one of you that are in our, at our campuses, we're gonna invite you to get out of your seat, to come forward, to drop an envelope in the, the miracle offering boxes. And I'm gonna give you some instructions. So don't panic right now. Some of you are getting really nervous. If you're online with us, I want every one of you to participate with us. So here's, here's what you can do. First, why are we doing this? Because we believe that in our mundane, in our generosity, in giving what we can, giving our best gift possible, right? It may be different than what we gave last year. It may not be as much as we want to give, but we're gonna trust by faith that we're gonna give our best. That's the mundane thing we can do, that God will take that and do the miraculous. I can tell you that LifeHouse, you know, our goal was $100,000 to raise that much because we, we set a kingdom builder's budget for the year and we wanna make sure that those projects that we committed to giving to, we, we have projects like Hagerson Area Pregnancy Center. Uh, we've got addiction centers that we're we wanna continue to give to. We've got church planting efforts that we're funding and resourcing. And, and you know, Kingdom Builders, we can't give it unless it comes in. And, and we've made a commitment, but now we're inviting you to participate with us. Um, we've got major outreach projects coming up as we approach the end of this year and as we start next year, before we get to Easter, that require finances. And so I can tell you that when you give this money, it's going down. It's going to go out very quickly because this is that season where it, where we're asking for a miracle provision from God. And I know that God will do the miracle as we, as we do our part in participating with it. So what I wanna do is I wanna invite you, would you, in just a few moments, come, come out of your seats with that giving envelope, drop it in the giving box, and here's what I want you to do. I realize that some of you, you're brand new to LifeHouse, or you know, if you're down in Frederick with us, all of you are brand new to LifeHouse. So hey, shout out to you guys. But here, here's what I want you to do. Uh, for a couple, couple instructions. First, if you're giving online, which you absolutely, you can give the miracle offering online. Uh, you can just pull that down in the tab. Uh, then on your envelope, just write, gave online or giving online. And then drop your gift in the, in the um, drop your envelope in the giving boxes. If you can't give, that's okay. No one is, we don't wanna embarrass you. Uh, can you pray with us? Can you pray for a miracle? If you can, then write, I am praying. And maybe you wanna give to Kingdom Builders later. You could say, I can't give right now, but I want to give. Or you can write us a note on the envelope and drop the envelope in. Maybe you're sitting here and you're getting uncomfortable. You're thinking, why are they doing this? Why, why would they talk about this? Maybe you're even getting angry. Here, here's what I'd encourage you to do. Would you look around? And ask yourself, why would people during a recession, during a time of financial, you know, um, uh, tightening, be so willing to give generously? You can at least ask the question. I can tell you why. Because we know that the, that the response of God is generosity. And we respond to hell's greed with heavens 
generosity. We believe that in the mundane, in the ordinary, we, we do what we can do in radical obedience and God will show up and do what only he can do. He can take our gift and do more with it than we could ever have done with it on our own. And so can I just encourage you, would you take a moment right now? Would you open your heart? Would you pray? Um, in just a moment, our campus pastor is gonna come and they're gonna give you kind of final instructions. But before we, before we do that, we wanna share a quick video just to celebrate what has happened in the past as a result of a miracle offering. So check this out. Hello, Lifehouse. My name is Koli Puka, and I serve in uh, North Albania in the city of Škoder. For us, it's such a joy to stand together and partner with Lifehouse. And uh, just lately, we've had our youth camp, which Lifehouse is part of uh, investing into, where seven youth gave their hearts to Jesus. This is really a great victory for us, for our ministry, for our church. We serve in a Muslim country where it is very difficult and hard to reach people for Jesus. But we praise the Lord for these great breakthroughs and victories. And we are so thankful that we can stand together for the kingdom of God in Albania. So thank you so much, Lifehouse. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.